motion and sound is viewed to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi everyone, Abby Stone here. I am the VP of content at Well and Good, and I am coming to you today with something really exciting. Um, This is part one of two very special episodes we'll be doing of the Well and Good podcast, where we are taking a look at our 2023 wellness trends predictions. We have been compiling a wellness trends report where we name what we think the most innovative next big things in wellness will be since Well and Good was founded in 2010. And so much work goes into these reports. It's all hands on deck for the editorial team. They call on everyone in their Rolodexes talking to hundreds of brand founders, executives, wellness leaders, experts, researchers, scientists um, to learn everything they can about what they think is going to shape well-being and the wellness industry in the year ahead. Um, So today we'll be talking about fitness trends and you will hear from three people on Team Well and Good. We have Jenny Heimlich, Well and Good Senior Fitness Editor. We have Rachel Krauss, our fitness writer and reporter. And Jordan Galloway, who's a freelance wellness writer and editor. So we'll be diving into all the really exciting things that their research um, surfaced for them in terms of what we can expect from this the fitness space in 2023. And for the full report, you can head to wellandgood.com. Happy listening. Gyms and fitness studios closed their doors when the country went into lockdown in 2020, many of them permanently. And I think it's safe to say it's been a big question since then if people would want to return to IRL fitness at all, or if they'd prefer to keep working out in the comfort of their homes. They bought all this equipment, maybe an exercise bike, maybe they found a new favorite yoga instructor on YouTube or on wellandgood.com. Why would they want to return to a gym? But looking ahead to 2023, I think we're ready to make a, a declaration. Rachel, I know you you dug into this. Do you have an answer? Are people going back to the gym? 
Yes, I have an answer and I believe it's that we're back, baby. We're not, you know, quite up to where we were, but a lot of the data that I'm seeing and the gym owners and boutique owners that I'm speaking with are really optimistic about 2023 in particular. One thing that I thought was very interesting is that so MindBody has all this data that they get from all of their member gyms and studios, and that also encompasses ClassPass. So their data gives us like a really good idea of what's going on in the industry as a whole. And what they saw this past back-to-school season was that there was a huge spike in attendance around September, and usually that spike in attendance in back to school mirrors the even bigger spike in attendance that comes in the new year. So they're predicting that New Year's 2023 is going to be one of the biggest they've seen in years. Um, So as a whole, you know, the industry really was bruised. Over 25% of studios and gyms closed permanently. Those numbers are still in flux because these places are still feeling the effects of the pandemic. But for the places that are sticking, that have stuck around, um, they're feeling optimistic about the future and they're welcoming people back and bringing back their membership bases, many of which are eclipsing or at least meeting pre-pandemic levels. That's awesome. And in your research, did experts talk to you about whether some segments of the fitness industry and some modalities and types of fitness were you know, quicker to bounce back than others? Yes. So again, mind-body data is able to show us what's coming back um, across the spectrum of fitness industries. So they were looking at how certain modalities are doing. So, And what they found is, you know, really kind of makes sense. Uh, The kinds of fitness modalities that are doing really well are really the things that you can't do as easily in your own home. That includes boot camp classes like Barry's and you know I spoke with the owner of Barry's and they are back at pre-pandemic levels domestically. Another thing that's doing well is CrossFit. Not all of us have big tires in our homes to throw around. Another source who's an industry analyst told me that strength training is really big and we've seen that in that the in that Big box gyms, so the more affordable gyms, are having a really strong comeback. The Actually, the CEO of Crunch told me that they were one of the few places that never really took a, a significant hit, and they're doing better than they were before the pandemic. So, you know, boot camp, CrossFit, strength training, those kinds of modalities are thriving. But the things that we kind of got used to doing in our houses, like for those of us who invested in an exercise bike or even a yoga mat, those modalities are still struggling and those are the studios that are kind of having um, the hardest time bringing people back. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We don't all have these these heavy weights or even room for like a treadmill or something that people will get from those big box gyms or the space to have it either in, you know, maybe if you live in a small apartment. So definitely makes a lot of sense with, with what we're seeing there. Um, and as your sources see it, Rachel, and as you see it, like what, besides just the need for kind of more equipment and different equipment than people might have at home, like what's the driving force behind this return? Why are people going back to the gym and, and back to classes? 
Well, equipment is certainly part of it. The CEO of the class told me that, you know, people really like working out in their studios because they have crystals under the floor and they have springs under the floor. So it's not, you know, just about weights. It's about, you know, the kind of ambiance as well. Um, but more than that, what everyone told me was one word and that's community. People want to work out with other people. They want to see their friends. They want to know who their instructor is. They want to be held accountable when they don't show up. Um, some gyms are, you know, even fully embracing that social aspect of the, of the workout class by making, you know, kind of hybrid social clubs and workout studios. What we all missed was just the energy of working out around other people. And that's not something that you can replicate in your home gym. Totally. I grew up um, in dance class and, you know, I was a dancer most of my life. And I feel like that class environment, having those people around me, that community, having access to an instructor is something that I really carried through with my own fitness routine as an adult. Might not have been dance class always anymore, but yoga classes or, you know, spin classes, just like the energy of being in the room is something that has really bolstered my own fitness routine and something that I'm really excited about getting back to. I'm curious, have you, what's your vibe personally on IRL fitness? Have you gone back to classes, Rachel? I'm pretty happy working out in my home gym. I used to be an Equinox member, and when the pandemic happened, I just became a runner instead. Um, <laughs> so my cardio became running around my neighborhood, and my strength training became, you know, the weights that I amassed in my gym and doing well and good hit classes and things like that. I did join class pass and went back to some bar classes and I felt the need to like announce to everyone there like oh my gosh this is my first class back it's so great um and everyone was really supportive so if you haven't gone back I recommend it just to like if you feel comfortable with COVID of course but it was a a really bolstering experience to be back in the, to be back in the class that's awesome. I love that. Jordan, not to put you on the spot, but I know that you are a Pilates instructor. Are you, what's the vibe you're getting in your studio these days? It's interesting because I did my teacher training and I started teaching uh, during COVID. So I don't have the before to relate it to, but I will say that my classes consistently week over week are fully booked with wait lists almost as long as the class uh, capacity itself. And that's not just my my classes. I'm always trying to drop in and take classes from other instructors at my studio. I find it really hard to get in because they're almost all full with a wait list. So it's not uncommon to see myself and other people sitting outside of a class, just hoping that maybe somebody doesn't show up and we can pop in. Awesome. Love that. So we're back, baby. You love to see it. Not that, and not that people are really leaving behind necessarily their, their home equipment if they have it, right, Rachel, but more incorporating kind of some, you know, both sides of the coin. Yeah, as well and good as reported before, and as a lot of my sources told me, like, the future is really looking hybrid. Um, we're kind of just doing what works for us, whether that's taking uh, easy yoga class at home or going to sweat it up in a studio. 
And whatever works for us is a great is a great segue, I think, into into one of our next trends. When we compile the trends report, we always like to see if there's a certain type of fitness that people are gravitating towards in the coming year. Jenny, I know this is something that you dug into in your reporting um, and that mobility workouts is a buzzword that we're starting to hear everywhere. Can you start us off by just telling us what is a mobility workout? What does mobility mean? Yeah, it's something that a lot of people are still a little confused by, but that's okay. What mobility really is, it's it's just a joint's ability to actively move through its full range of motion. So typically it often gets confused with flexibility, which is about the muscle and its ability to stretch. So a good example of a classic mobility exercise is the cat-cow that you get in a yoga or Pilates class where you're moving your spine through flexion and extension all the way as far as you can comfortably move in both directions. So it's all about the little joints moving. And when you when you think about um, putting together a mobility workout, you know, trying that sort of that type of exercise for yourself, like where do you where do you find that? Where do you look? Where are we seeing this crop up in the new year? Oh my gosh, I've been seeing it everywhere. The more I dig into it, the more I've been finding it. You know, it used to kind of only be something you would do when you were getting physical therapy for something. But today it's on digital fitness platforms like Peloton and Tempo. It's in major gyms like Crunch and Lifetime. And it's even all over YouTube and Instagram. Um whether from fitness influencers or PTs themselves or trainers. Awesome. And you mentioned at the beginning when you were describing what mobility is that some people are still a little confused. And I feel like from the reporting that you did, part of that is because some places aren't really using the term in the right way. Um, and you flag in your your trend article in particular that it seems like some places are capitalizing on the popularity of mobility by using it even for something like stretching. So would love for you to kind of unpack that a little bit and and give our listeners any tips that you have in terms of sussing out the real deal from, you know, mobility washing, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, why it gets tricky is because it involves other things and it's part of other workouts. So a lot of people confuse mobility with flexibility. And part of the reason for that is because you need flexibility in order to have mobility. If a muscle is tight, that will keep you from moving your joint through the full range of motion. But doing a mobility workout is not a stretching workout. Mobility is also, it's one component of a yoga or Pilates class. I mentioned a cat-cow earlier, that is a mobility exercise. But the a full yoga or Pilates class isn't a true mobility workout because you're not really zeroing in joint by joint. So what's funny is today, now that mobility has become kind of this buzzword, you see people adding it to the titles of classes that are really just stretching or yoga classes. And they very much might help you with your mobility, but they're not really a true mobility workout. So 
if you are looking to try a mobility workout, what, what you're going to want to look for is exercises that are dynamic movements. You're moving the whole time. It's not just a static stretch where you're sitting and stretching the muscle in one position. It will also be focused on the joints again, not the muscles themselves. You're zeroing in joint by joint, typically under tension. I think an important thing to keep in mind is that it should feel good. There's a, that's a huge part of the reason why mobility is becoming so popular right now. It's not about pushing past your body's limits or feeling any kind of pain. It's moving to a place that kind of opens you up and makes you feel better afterwards. And that seems to be one of the the big reasons why people are gravitating towards this types of movement as well, right? Is I think we've seen this trend for the past few years now, you know, when life is so hard as it is, we're not necessarily trying to go hard in our workouts all the time. Do you have anything to add in terms of how this kind of speaks to the greater trend towards like functional movement and longevity in workouts? Yeah, 100%. A number of the sources I spoke to talked about how you know, we're all kind of taking a gentler approach to fitness these days and looking to exercise to make us feel better because a lot of us are not feeling great while working from home in these very stationary positions all day. Uh, one trainer pointed out to me how we, you know, at least to walk to our car or to the train. And these days it's, we're not even getting that amount of movement in. So our bodies are becoming incredibly stiff and mobility in particular is helping break up that stiffness and bringing some movement back to the body. And I remember once you described it for me, mobility as being kind of the the fourth missing pillar when thinking about a well-rounded fitness routine. So you have cardio, you have strength, you have flexibility, and now you have mobility. And that goes back to the idea of what you were saying as well as like yoga incorporates mobility and flexibility in it the same way that a boot camp class might incorporate cardio and strength in it. So I love this idea of kind of using mobility, learning what it means, learning what it feels like in your body as a way to complete the total picture of your fitness routine. 100%. Yeah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Well, you can't talk about fitness trends without talking about technology, I think is something we've seen again and again. The two have become so intertwined as fitness trackers and health trackers have become more sophisticated 
um, and have been able to give people who exercise and just people in general more information about their body's metrics as they go throughout the day and night, as the case may be. So Jordan, I know this is a trend that you investigated for us this year, and you tell me that the next wave of fitness trackers is going to literally look different from what we've seen before. So what exciting stuff are you seeing come down the pike for 2023? I really enjoyed digging into this trend and the biggest, most exciting thing that we are going to see in terms of fitness trackers and fitness wearables in 2023 and moving forward is they are no longer all going to be wrist-based devices. Up until now, and this is something I learned in my research, the reason why so many fitness trackers, almost all of them exclusively, have been something you would wear on your wrist either a smartwatch or a Fitbit is an example, a step counter, um, is because that technology has been around for over two decades. It was essentially developed from wrist-worn sleep trackers that were used in clinical settings to help people with sleep disorders so that people could see and monitor their vitals while they were asleep. People then kind of flipped that on its head started asking what could we see about people's vitals when they're awake and how could we use that to help improve their health? And that's where our first kind of generation of fitness trackers evolved from. The algorithms already existed, the technology already existed, so it was an easy and smoother transition. What we're going to see in this next wave and moving forward is the result of new research, new clinical studies that have been going on more recently, new data collections from testing of devices. And the product of all of that research is that wearables are no longer going to be just on the wrist. We're starting to see both um, kind of fitness tracking brands that have already existed and other kind of health sleep tracking brands who are going to start moving into the fitness space developing and putting out wearables that are able to read vitals and exist on other parts of the body, whether it's a finger, your hip, some of them are even being developed to be worn inside of clothing so that they can be um, taking and monitoring from your torso. We also are going to see a lot of this improvement coming in the form of continuous glucose monitors uh, CGMs as they're known. And those often are worn on the back of the arm. You've probably started seeing people um, wearing these. If you've seen trainers, for example, especially if you follow trainers on social media, they tend to be kind of early adopters of new technology in the fitness space. So that, or on your torso, Whoop even has capabilities to now wear its devices on your calf. So I should say, actually, you're going to hear more than you're going to see about these new wearables, but you'll hear people talking about them and how they're able to more seamlessly integrate into their lifestyles. So tell me about the Whoop in particular, because I'm curious, you mentioned you could wear it on your hip or on your calf. Like what does, how does that actually work? Does it still have a strap that you put on or do you stick it into a pocket or like just, yeah, what's the nitty gritty there? Paint me a picture. We are getting away from straps if you want to. I should say, you know, the thing about innovation that 
I want to note, especially in this space, is no one's taking your smartwatches away. No one's trying to say that if you like to wear your fitness tracker on your wrist, you know, you should stop doing that. By all means, use this as an opportunity to have more options for people who want them, but not necessarily to take anything away. Um, that said, these new trackers are being developed so that they can be more hybrid. So in the case of Whoop, for example, you could wear the Whoop 4.0, its newest device, which is 33% smaller than its predecessor, so the 3.0. And this new Whoop can be worn on a band that fits on your wrist. It can also be worn on a bicep sleeve. But as you've always been able to do is you can remove the device from its band. And that's how you would actually charge it if you wanted to. Um, you could leave it on its band to charge, but now you would remove that device and be able to insert it either into a little pocket or a, um, on a calf sleeve, a bicep sleeve, in leggings, even in underwear, sports bras and bralettes, um, boxers for men, t-shirts. So Whoop has also developed a line of Whoop body apparel, both performance and more just like lifestyle so that you could feasibly say you wanted to wear your Whoop on your wrist during a workout if you wanted to, but you were going out to dinner, you were going to work, you worked with your hands. Some of the um, examples they give, if you were a surgeon, you were a mechanic, you were someone who wasn't necessarily going to want to wear a strap on their wrist 24 seven or throughout their day, you can slip it into one of these items of clothing that would allow you to continue to keep data tracking and fitness tracking. I remember you mentioned continuous glucose monitoring, which is something um, I want to dig into a little bit more with you. I remember, I think it was, it was pre-pandemic. So maybe 2019, I was researching a trend around fitness trackers that were mostly on your wrist. And I remembered I spoke with a researcher at Stanford and he told me that he had his eye on continuous glucose monitoring, mo moving more into a consumer fitness lifestyle space um, compared to being just used for diabetes and, and in the healthcare space. So yeah, would love to learn a little bit more about that because it is kind of a cons uh, confusing concept for people and, and new technology that I think many people haven't seen before, or maybe they've seen that patch like you mentioned, and they're like, what is that? So yeah, would love to hear from you, you know, what is a continuous glucose monitor and, and how is it being used for fitness these days? Yeah, I'd love to dig into this. I'm not surprised that researchers at Stanford were way ahead of this curve. Um, and I think that's correct that we're at the place where continuous glucose monitoring is ready to go mainstream and new brands have started to crop up or have started to get the funding to grow and scale giving them an opportunity to reach larger communities, um, which is why you're going to start to see them in more and more places. Essentially, in the simplest form, a continuous glucose monitor is a sensor that is placed underneath the skin, and it is able from that position, either behind your arm or on your stomach, um, to read your glucose levels 24 seven. So typically these sensors are able to be worn for a week or two weeks, just depending on the length. 
up to a month. It just depends on the sensor itself. But the way that they are transitioning out of what you mentioned, Abby, being a device that was essentially developed to give people with type 1 or type 2 diabetes a different option other than finger pricking in order to test their glucose levels and also to be able to do it not just in the moment that you're taking that reading, but throughout your entire day. The technology in the fitness space, similar to the way that wrist-worn wearables were something that came from clinical medical research, I think the same thing is happening here. So they are using the technology that's already been created for a specific purpose and repurposing uh, it to think about fitness tracking from a different perspective. So for people who want to understand how exercise and nutrition affect their blood sugar, wearing one of these monitors is going to be able to not only collect that glucose data 24-7, but then these companies through their apps are able to give insights and guidance that can help people with new habits or understanding how their habits are affecting their blood sugar. Um, when I spoke to one of the co-founders of one of the companies that were featuring Levels is the name of the company. A couple of great examples that he gave is that they would be able to tell you how your exercise is informing your blood sugar. And also conversely, say you ate something that was causing your blood sugar to rise, they would send you a push notification alert suggesting that maybe you go for a 10 minute walk or offering some type of exercise guidance that could help you to bring your blood sugar back into um, a healthy range and prevent it from doing that kind of yo-yo effect that can actually cause you to feel unwell or to affect your mood, I guess I would say, your, your energy. And I think that it speaks to the idea, the reason these are becoming more popular is because I think people are starting to get into a place where they're, they want to know more about how the fitness um, routines that they have in place are actually leading to better health outcomes that they're trying to address. So whether it is that you want to balance your blood sugar, you want to improve your metabolism, you want to optimize your performance, maybe you want to improve your sleep, they're trying to get to a place where the data that's being collected from these trackers and wearables is able to then offer insights into how they're getting closer or farther away from whatever that ultimate goal is for their health. Yeah, you hit on something really important here, which is that the data itself, the tracking itself is only half of the picture. And it doesn't really do anything unless you know how to act upon it. So you gave some examples from, from levels, but I'd love to hear more about the ways that these devices are closing that feedback loop and sending insights and potentially kind of recommendations or action items back to the wearer so that they know what to actually do with all of this information they have. Aside from just um, the fact that you're going to have more options in terms of how you want to wear fitness trackers. I honestly think that the direction that the technology is moving into is going to be so much more helpful for users and the user experience and the ultimate goal, which is to be healthier in whatever way being healthier, um, whatever that means to you. And so part of it 
Abby, you're, you're correct. If you really think about how fitness trackers, that first generation operate, they collect data and they allow you to look at it, right? You can see what your BPM is, your pulses. You can see what your heart rate variability is. You can see how many minutes you exercise and what type of exercise, but you don't necessarily have context. They don't offer, they're not translating that into insights and guidance and giving you an understanding of whether or not what you're doing in terms of exercise is having a positive or negative influence on your life. And as the sources that I spoke to mentioned, you know, the work that you would have to do to decipher that for yourself, if you weren't a doctor or a scientist, is just more than what the average person can do. And so we're all out here doing our best. We have busy lives. And I love that these new devices and companies are figuring out ways to take that guesswork out of it for you and to be able to send you, whether it's real-time push notifications, whether it's summaries that just give you insights into what happened, not even just the day before. What's great about this is because they're being worn continuously and or being designed to be able to be worn continuously, either because of extended battery life, because placements are making it possible for you to wear them 24 seven and not feel like they're getting in the way of your lifestyle, or they're literally designed that once you put them on like a continuous glucose monitor, you're not taking it off until that seven day, 14 day, whatever that window is expires. Um, they're able to give what we haven't had before, which is, um, what is ultimately I've come to realize from speaking to sources for this story is trends over time. So they're not telling you what happens when you do one workout. They're not telling you what happens when you go on one 10 minute walk. They're telling you over seven days, a month, three months, six months, they're looking at all of this data that they're collecting and they're able to give you really in-depth insights into how your habits are affecting your health and how you can maybe make small tweaks that could get better results for whatever you're optimizing for. And what happens like a, I was going to say a side effect, but I know from the reporting you did, it's, it's really a feature and the point, not a side effect, but of, of this new way of wearing the device is that it eliminates the, the distractions that having something on your wrist could, could present. And I know something we've talked a lot about, um, at well and good in terms of fitness trackers is, you know, do you get to a point where there's too much data or you're checking your steps compulsively in a way that could potentially do more harm than good. So I love the the reasoning behind so many of these new devices where they're, you know, they want to make something that's useful for you when you need it, but not distracting and impeding on your life when you don't. Totally. And I think that that is also a point of difference between this new generation of trackers and their predecessors is that they are by design, not productivity tools. They are not intended to be specifically data collectors and, and easily making it possible for you to read that data. Their assumption is you don't necessarily need to see your data day to day. You can certainly look at it if you want to in the app, but that's not really what's beneficial. Like I said, it's those trends over time. 
it's those insights and the guidance and the feedback that you're getting from the information that they're collecting. And so they don't have screens. You'll notice these wearables are screen free. They are intended to be something that really integrates seamlessly into your lifestyle so that you can really just set them and forget them. And I'm going to totally date myself, but that is, I grew up as a kid in the nineties watching infomercials. And I don't know if you remember this one, it was like Ron Popeil's food dehydrator and that concept of just set it and forget it. And then that you get this amazing result at the end is very much akin to what's happening here. And I think that that is a level of delegation that I think anyone in 2023 and beyond is really going to be here for just because being able to eliminate one more thing from your life that you have to plug into, check, feel like in order for it to work for you, you have to be really invested in, you know, checking on it, tracking it, all of that. That's no longer the way I think of wearables moving forward. Um, I should also say that if you do love your smartwatch, you already have, you know, a Garmin or an Apple watch or any, any Google fit, you like Apple health, any of these things, you don't have to get rid of that technology in order to get in on this because lots of these new wearables levels is an example. They have integrations that allow you them to sync up, share data, across different devices that might be pulling different information for different purposes, and then use that to give a full 365 profile or three of what you're doing throughout your year, and just like a holistic view of um, your health. That's great. So we talked about Whoop, we talked about um, Levels. Who are some of the other big players in this space that people should keep an eye on? Yeah, in terms of continuous glucose monitors, their NutriSense is probably another one. If you're on Instagram, you might you may have been seeing them pop up in your feed. They also just had a huge round of funding that is allowing them to focus on growth. I'm really excited about a smaller company, a female-founded company called Kala, which is also using continuous glucose monitors, but it's really focused on women's health specifically hormone health specifically, and how it relates to fitness, exercise, and nutrition. So those are some brands in the continuous glucose monitor space. In the sleep tracking space, two very exciting brands to think about are Aura. The Aura Ring started as a a startup out of Finland. It's a company that's now valued at over 2.5 billion with a B uh, dollars at this point. They sold their millionth ring this past spring, and they started out as a sleep tracker that you could wear on your finger, but their newest generation, which just launched at the end of September, um, has all of its newest features, including workout heart rate monitoring and um, even a feature called period prediction. So it's allowing you to, to, it truly now works as a full-fledged fitness tracker. And even more than that, it's giving you some of these other feedback loops that are allowing you to inform the way you're working out. So if you're someone who likes to sync your workouts to your cycle, you can now do that by you is using uh, the aura ring and you can also use it to see how 
your exercise is influencing your sleep and vice versa. In a similar vein, through integrations, the sleep tracking company, Eight Sleep, which actually they have sensors that are developed to live either in a mattress cover or in a mattress. So you are sleeping, you're, they literally are tracking your sleep while you're sleeping. Another component is they're helping to optimize your sleep through thermoregulation. So if you get too hot or too cold, they can actually adjust the temperature uh, around your bed or in your bedroom to optimize for where it should be for you and how you uh, tend to sleep the best. So that company, they were already doing that. And because of that, they were helping to, they're helping people with recovery after workouts just from that technology alone. But they now have major integrations with pretty much every popular fitness wearable at this point. And now because of that, they're going to be able to give you insights about how, for example, your Peloton workouts are improving your sleep or how you could maybe potentially adjust your exercise routine to optimize for better sleep. So those are a few that I think are actually coming down the pike that are very exciting and you're going to start seeing or not seeing more of in 2023. Awesome. Amazing. Well, I would love to do just a super quick lightning round with each of you. Um, When you think about fitness in 2023, what's the one word that comes to mind for you? Jenny, you want to go first? That's a tough one. I would say probably mindful. Mm. I think we're all becoming more mindful of how fitness actually makes us feel and how we can use it to help us feel better. Rachel, Fitness 2023, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think my idea um, works with Jenny's because I was thinking personal, um, in tune with what it is you want in that moment, whether that's, you know, going in for a high powered boot camp class or doing yoga in your living room. It's about kind of, you know, intuitive movement. Jordan, your turn. I think fitness uh, is going to become more functional in 2023. And by that, I mean, it's going to be really designed around your everyday life and optimizing your everyday life. So that's going to look different for everyone, depending on what your life looks like. But ultimately, whether it's the way you work out, the way you track your workouts, all of that is going to be focused on giving people options that work with where they are, meet them where they are, and help them to get where they want to go. Mindful, personal, functional. I love that for all of us. I'm I'm so pumped. Thank you, ladies, all for joining me, lending me your, your brains and your skills. I always learn so much chatting with you. Yeah, I think that's a wrap. Thanks, Abby. Thank you. On today's show, you heard me, Abby Stone, in conversation with Jenny Heimlich, Jordan Galloway, and Rachel Krause. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille, Ella Dove, and myself, Abby Stone, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, share. Mixing and scoring by our friends at Edit Audio, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lukomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.